the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Wheels down in another town. I thought you said you'd stick around. And I wonder now if love is gonna cost my life. Something in my chest feels like a butcher knife. Four days in a hotel. We'll be going home. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is The Lost Episode 50, and our guest is me, Jason Earl. One of my earliest thought partners for what would become The Marinade was my good friend, Peter Haroldson. Peter's one of the best people I know, y'all. He's kind, hilarious, and wildly intelligent, and I'm grateful to call him my friend. When the marinade first began, the idea of getting to episode number 50 seemed like some kind of far-off abstraction. Would anybody even care about this thing? Would we make it that far? Well, thankfully, a lot of you do care, and before long, episode 50 was a reality. See, the plan, as suggested by Peter, was that episode 50 would be a conversation between the two of us where Peter's doing the asking of the questions, and I'm the interview subject. Well, when we got to episode 50... Peter had moved to Minnesota, and then right thereafter, the world shut down due to the COVID-19 crisis. And finally, in October of 2021, I flew to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, and sat down on the other side of the desk to answer some questions from my friend. If you're new to the show, this might be a good entrance point. Just know that I'm usually the one doing the asking, not the answering of the questions for the most part. Um, A couple of production notes either way. My voice was a little scratchy because my allergies were flaring. I tried to edit out every cough and sniffle. It took forever, but a few of them just could not be helped. Um, Also, we're sitting outside. It was a a beautiful Minnesota October night, um, and there's a a fire going, and it's a little windy. Uh, Don't worry about it. It shouldn't be too distracting, but I didn't want you like messing with your settings, thinking that there was some sort of connection issue or something, that crackling that you hear. It's just the fire around which we were sitting to chat. I would have preferred to have waited until a time when my voice was cooperating, but who knows when Peter and I will get another chance to do this, so the show must go on. Also, I want to thank my good friend Patrick Hagerman, whose tune Minneapolis is serving as the soundtrack to this episode. Patrick is hard at work on an album, and we're going to bring you a conversation with him as soon as it's out in the world. This song, Minneapolis, is a little taste of his incredible writing. Anytime I even hear the word Minneapolis, this song plays in my head, and it just made it a natural fit for this episode. Peter and I talked for over two hours, and rather than ask you to consume all of that in one sitting, this episode is going to be part one of two. Uh, Part two is going to be released over on Patreon, patreon.com slash marinadepodcast where you can access that episode and much more bonus marinade content for as little as $2 a month. 
Everyone, it is my pleasure to bring you the Lost Episode 50, where Peter Haraldson interviews me, Jason Earl. If I don't freeze in Minneapolis, I can make it by myself. If I don't freeze in Minneapolis, I'll make it by myself. I should be thankful for your feeding me. Pointing out my flaws, personality. My late 30s over sexuality. Over sexuality. What do you want? I can't help it. I want to introduce you. Here with Jason Earl, the host of the Marinade. That's me. Recording episode fifty. The lost episode fifty. It's just not lost. Delayed. Delayed, true. Last night we got to go see a trucker show and they described it as uh it was a delayed show and they said sorry it took us sixteen months to get here. So yeah. I feel like it's just similar. Yeah. <laughs> sorry it took us two years to get here. Right, right. It's crazy that it has taken two years. It's crazy that f- episode fifty came up so quickly. Well, right, you know? because this idea uh, spawned like maybe episode five to ten, somewhere in that really range. Really early, yeah. And we were talking about the idea of getting interviewing yourself because you are a creative, and the word navel gazy was thrown around quite a bit. And <laughs> <laughs> appropriately applied. Or appropriately, appropriately, uh-huh. but I think it's important that uh, oh, you man. know. I'm in for it on this. All yeah. Right. Well, for those listeners to, you know, I think it's important to note that making the podcast, that is a creative art and, you know, no different than any of the people you've interviewed, many of whom have their own podcasts. Right. I certainly consider it as such. Um, Well, I mean, it's not the first creative endeavor you've done, though, right? No. I mean, so what do you think, what do you think is different? About making the marinade then compared to your c- past writing, performing. Huh. That's a good question. Um, well, the other stuff is very dependent on the guest. Hmm. The, the podcast, I mean, the other stuff is dependent on me. The podcast is dependent on the guest. Hmm. I think I'm much more cognizant of the, um, of the audience with the podcast I'm certainly trying to make the show that I want to listen to, and I'm trying to make the show that that I would find interesting. But 
I'm at the whims of the guest to a large extent. I can kind of steer the conversation one way or the other if I want to, but at the same time, it's more important to me to, to catch what the guest wants to talk about because I think that ends up being much more compelling than, um, than like, this fire is attacking me, than what I want out of the guest. Well, I think that's a good point, but I don't know. I think that's selling it a little short, right? Because I, I agree with you in the sense that you can steer the guest a little bit and try and, I think you have a very strong talent at focusing in, like you said, identifying what the guest wants to talk about and really trying to play towards that. Yeah. But to that point, I think that's a strength that you have that not everybody has, right? The idea is if you put me in front of the microphone interviewing those guests, you're going to get probably a worse interview. Well, it'd be a different interview for sure, but thank you, first of all. But I also, like, <clears throat> I think with the other stuff, with guitar or songwriting, well, yeah, songwriting, um, essay writing, fiction writing, but those other things, it, I, all, I pretty much only do it for me. Hmm. I mean, the marinade has become a, a different thing in that now we have this community built that I, I, I had no idea that was going to happen. And so it's not like I'm hyper aware of audience in the sense of, you know, I'm just going to play to the audience. I was still going to book the guests I want to talk to. I'm still going to ask the things I want to ask and then go in the direction that, that the guests and I want to go because the conversation is going to be organic too. That's the other thing about, about the, that maybe is similar to the other creative endeavors is that you don't really necessarily know until you get in the middle of it, what's going to happen. So if you're writing an essay, you may have an outline for it and know what you intend to do. But sometimes a lot of times with me, it's almost every time I'm going to end up going some other direction. I didn't expect the same thing's true for a short story or the novel that I've been working on. Um, we talked a little bit about this last night, how I set out with this one idea in mind for the characters in my novel and the story arc. And then I just fell in love with another character and I went down a totally different road. And I think there's a parallel there with, with, interviewing people for the marinade because the conversations by nature going to be organic and, and you're going to have surprises from your guests. I got a really good compliment from Casey Anderson recently and I greatly appreciated where he, he listened to the Todd Snyder episode. And this is on uh, my last, inter- my last episode with Casey Listen to Todd Snyder episode. And he said, a lot of times people have an idea of what they want from Todd and they, you know, they seek out that thing interviewers do but that he said I didn't do that, that I kind of let Todd go in one direction and I went with him, and that it made for a more compelling interview than a lot that he's heard or read from Todd. And that, I think that, that kind of sums up the, what, the lesson that I learned early on about interviewing people is that if I'm going to ask somebody for their time, somebody I find interesting, um, i I got to be careful not to try to impose my expectations mm. of them on them. So... I want to focus on something you said there, too, because you said, you know, that your other endeavors were more for you. Right. And I I think that I can see that, you know, having read your stuff for a while now, um, you know, more of your your essay work. You know, I understand saying, hey, I want to get my idea out and here's how I'm doing it. Right. I'm expressing out to the world versus, you know, at the whim. When do you think you picked up on that for the marinade? Was that like episode one, you're interviewing BJ and you're like, oh, this is different. Was it before that? When do you think you came into that idea of realize, realizing like, oh, this is a different beast here? 
I think it was before that. I think I, I was fortunate in that I'd written about music and interviewed artists for a few years before I started the marinade. And I'd failed a lot um, in a short amount of time. Because when I started interviewing artists and writing about music, I was... I just sort of poured myself into it. And so I was doing a lot of interviews and I was doing a lot of so-called music journalism, which was more me kind of writing about my experiences at shows and listening to records. And it didn't take long. And I think this, I think that's this, the, the understanding of my understanding of, of conversation goes back even further than that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I think growing up an only child, I kind of had to make friends pretty early Um, because I I, I now would just say I'm more introverted, but I was an extroverted only child growing up. And I was fortunate in that I grew up around a lot of kids. And um, even though I was in a kind of mid-sized town, I went to a pretty decent-sized high school, you know, in in that mid-sized town. And I I was able to make friends from a fairly early age. and I, that probably was because I needed that human connection. And while I had a wonderful core family, there's just no, there weren't any other kids, you know, so mm. in my family. So people my age. So I developed that skill early on that ended up translating into what became the marinade. Because the marinade isn't, I hope it's not, it doesn't, it really isn't me interviewing an artist. It is, it is what I say it is a free flowing conversation right. about the creative process. And I happen to be having it with creatives who I respect, but it isn't a traditional interview. I don't have an editor. I don't have like, you know, I work with publicists, but they know what I do. They're not going to, you know, I'm going to talk about the new record or whatever. Um, of course, cause I'm interested in it, yeah. not because it's a talking point. And, um, and so I, I think that, that understanding came really early. Also, I was super ignorant about all of that because I didn't come up the traditional way. And this is the beautiful, the, the beauty of the sort of egalitarian ideal or democratic, maybe not egalitarian, but democratic ideal of the internet is that like, I didn't go to journalism school. Hmm. I didn't have any preconceived notions of what interviewing people looked like other than what I'd listened to and read and I listened to and read a ton of that stuff, you know. I read Rolling Stone for years and years and years. And back when Maxim had that magazine Blender, I re- subscribed to that and would read it. Um, I would read all of the music magazines I could get my hands on, especially in the years leading up to starting to write about music and interviewing artists. So the combination of kind of being having conversational skills already mm-hmm. and then also having read a lot of interviews that I could pick pieces from and go, well, I like the way this person did it, but I'm not so crazy about the way this person did it. Like that bored me, but this, this I found more interesting. And I found that the things I found more interesting were the things artists found more interesting. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that almost always points back to process. And that's where the the idea from the marinade was born. So I think, I think it goes kind of hand in hand, the idea that like, Early on, I figured out how I wanted it to go because I picked up on artists getting bored at with my line of questioning. <laughs> so, what was the moment? You know, at the time, you know, you, like you said, you you're getting your you're cutting your teeth on a lot of writing about music, 
a little bit of interviewing. Mm-hmm. What do you think yeah. was the moment where you went, I want to make this a podcast. I want to make a this more conversational yeah. format. Um, well, that the idea of the podcast came from was inspired by you turning me on to Pete <laughs> Holmes. You made it weird. I was a it was a roundabout compliment. I was looking for <laughs> good. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. tricked you into it. You got me into podcasts. Mm. Um, I I thought. I wouldn't. I just dismissed them. I didn't have any problem with them. I just, I, I, you know, I just dismissed them at first. And I think the reason why is because I'm so obsessed with music. So anytime I would be listening to a podcast, I was listening to music. Um, and then you started talking about Pete's show, and I don't want to give Pete too much free pub. He's doing fine. <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah, but uh, when you started talking about how he would talk about existential questions you know and he, he always i don't know if he still does i haven't listened as much as in the past but how he ends with the question of like sort of what is this whole cosmic thing like what right. do you believe about religion and spirituality and and then <clears throat> also being a comedian and having comedians on there would be funny moments and he would talk about relationships and all these things and i, I thought oh i guess okay i gotta give this a shot mm. and that's when my partner Chris and I started dating, and um, we were two hours apart, and that show was two hours long. So, you know, it became like a companion to me, and the podcast, be- his podcast, became a, a constant companion hmm. in the way that records would have in the, you know, before. But, but there was an emotional connection now, because now I was driving two hours to meet my love, you know, on the weekend or whatever, and Pete was my, he was my buddy hanging yep. out with me on Ryan the way Shackham. there. Yeah, so it became something different. Um, and and that and that's I guess where it clicked is I went oh okay, I really enjoy this medium and I'm writing about musicians, I'm interviewing these musicians and then I have to distill that experience because I was having these amazing experiences and I'm not sure if it was one particular interview or another where I I was I kept I think it just kept happening where I would have these amazing experiences talking to these musicians that I love and respected and. Then I would write the piece, and I'd be proud of the written interview, but it did not even come close to capturing the moment. Hmm. You know, it did, it, like there's just no whether I'm just not good enough, or it just the the writing is just too restrictive hmm. to allow for it, or maybe some combination of the two. I just miss. I felt like people were would really be interested in those those moments, those true human moments that I was having with people that I thought were just incredible. You know, I mean, I was, I'm interviewing Jim Lauderdale, you know, this legendary songwriter and who's done all these amazing things, and I'm, then I'm writing about it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We sat in that green room, and, like, he offered me a beer, and, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I think that's pretty fun, and I think that's pretty cool, and I think the average listener whatever that means the average listener i think most people would find that also pretty fun that sure. we were having that experience and so i wanted to capture a little bit of that and not have it be just journalist asking questions artist answering questions and even if i write about uh jim offering me a beer even if i if i write if i write about that experience it's not um it's not the same as hearing him actually say like in the background Hey, can I can I get you a brew? Or right. Would you like some water? Because the human element of Jim Lauderdale, who's written number one hits for George Strait, just 
he just become instead of the guy who wrote number one hits for George Strait and hits for other people and then also made his own amazing records and recorded with Ralph Stanley and on and on and on and on. Instead of that, it's the guy offering you a brew and that doesn't come through in a written piece the way that would in in the podcast or, format. Or you've got an audience who's asking, Well, why did he include that detail about the written you know, about him yeah. offering you a beer? Yeah. Was it was it to humanize him, you know, this legend? Or is it rather I get you in the in the podcast medium it's no, it's there because I'm capturing the whole experience. Or I'm that, capturing a wider experience. That's a great point. Yeah. like with writing we we naturally dissect the, the author's motivations yep. and um maybe some podcasts Maybe some people do that with some podcasts, and maybe they do that with a marinade, but I don't think so. I think people understand that I'm trying to capture the most authentic, right, the most authentic representation of what this experience was like with this artist. Um, and to a person, everybody has been nice, accommodating, mm. open. And varying degrees, of course, of sure. that. And some people you make connections, a deeper connection with. Some people have become friends that I've interviewed. But but to a person, they've all been these wonderful people in person. And, and I, I want people to get to actually experience that, you know, get a feel for like, mm. this is what this person's actually like, even though the mic is on. It's the same thing that I that I was capturing when the mic was off. It's not like they flipped a switch. Hmm. Um, and I think that's what I've tried to curate it cultivate. I keep saying curate when I mean cultivate today. That's what I've been trying to cultivate with the marinade is the idea of, of a very natural conversation with these people who are creating magic. And how do you, how, how do you distill that down to a normal conversation? And I think we're able to capture that because it before long feels like the mics are off. And yeah. when the mics are off, that's when the really, special moments happen or when it feels like the mics are off I should say and when you forget the mic is there that's when the magic really happens and I think we've been able to through the 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 so-called structure of the free-flowing conversation of the show been able to capture that for over 100 episodes now well I I think it speaks to your um, I think one of the reasons why I find the marinade compelling um, to listen to is you know, not just having known you as a friend, but I think to the point that in some people's hands, that idea of wanting to have those, you know, mic free moments, right, of conversation uh, would, uh, you know, seem disingenuous almost, right? I'm trying to relax their guard so I get the true look. But I feel mm-hmm. like you as a person would have the same conversation, mics on, mics off. And you are having the conversation because you are fascinated in the person in front of you and you're interested in, you know, you you love the process and you love hearing different people's process. Yeah. And so I think that that's a strength of the podcast is the host. Right. Which I want I want to circle back because I think it's interesting to th- when you think about, you know, we talked about, hey, I've been cultivating conversational skills for years and, um, you know, obviously writing. But podcasting is its own medium it's its own cadence yeah. it's got its own things setting yeah. up mics you know the least of it just not even just the technical stuff but like you said just figuring out a rhythm and figuring out a way to get into this yeah and to think about the fact of you know you said basically hey i'm self-taught in so many different disciplines writing um you know included interviewing the idea that you basically listened quite extensively to one podcast and then basically started doing it yeah 
I mean, there's not the turnaround of years of these building up these skills. So what do you think was the impetus behind that to want to, you know, diving back into that? What was compelling in terms of I want to switch to this medium? And what do you think are the things that were challenging, especially at the start? Oh, I love that question. There were so many challenges. Um, <clears throat> well, to the first part of the question, I think what was, I think, I think the, the challenge of, so they kind of go together. The challenge of doing this thing I really didn't know anything about, other than as a listener, right? Like mm-hmm. I. I didn't know anything about audio. I still don't know much. I didn't know anything about editing audio, not even the first bit about it. Um, and I still don't know much. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, and, and to, to shout out Chris again, my partner, Chris, like she was in film school when this whole thing started. I think she graduated that right, right after I started the marinade. And so, I would see her do film editing and I found that really interesting. And while it wasn't something I wanted to do necessarily, I did want to kind of scratch a bit of the creative itch in that way. And I thought that the audio part of it would be interesting as a a creative outlet in itself. And while podcast editing, at least the way that I do it, like the, I don't do a lot of complicated editing, right? Like there's not much to most of the work, the post-production work after I've, recorded an interview is is writing hmm. and then me recording the intro and, and what used to be what I'm getting down on and now has been review under two that's where most of that stuff goes and then also just like thinking about certain choices in terms of where you know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna edit the intro going into the song and then the song going into the the build up to the episode but those are those are kind of simple to someone who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what what I was doing, right? So like that was there was nothing, especially early on, nothing simple about that. <laughs> like, that I've heard was, the phrase layering. Is that something <laughs> I need to do? There's hours, dude. There's hours. I mean, now it doesn't take me as long. It's still, it's still. Oh, I'm still work in progress. I'm still learning all the time sure. about audio. But at the beginning of the show, I had no idea. So it was a fun challenge. Like I remember we talked earlier about. We've been talking about public libraries a lot this weekend. We're here at your house in Minneapolis, and I came to visit. And so we talked about books, as we always do. We talked about libraries. Um, and thankfully, the local library had a subscription. You know, you get a subscription to lynda.com mm-hmm. where you can learn all kinds of stuff. So I watched a ton of videos before I ever recorded the first episode. I watched a ton of videos on auto editing and took notes and then practiced a little bit, just like me talking to Chris or like me talking to myself or... Um, before the BJ episode, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing with that. Like I, I downloaded a program a couple days before that could record phone calls through a computer and I called him on Google voice and like, (laughs) I called my dad before that and recorded with my dad for a while just to see if I knew what I was doing, you know, and then try to edit that into something, um, which probably it's not going to be released as any bonus content, everybody. It's nothing. Marinade lost tapes right there. Yeah, I don't think you want It'll that be in one. the Japanese box set. Yeah, if you subscribe to the Patreon, I'll do better than that. So I think there was a whole other creative outlet then, right? So not just the podcast itself and the creative process behind making the podcast, but a specific 
step in that process is audio editing and recording that as kind of entry level as as it is and still is in the way I do it I'm I learn a lot and it's fun to learn about which then also informs especially when I talk to musicians informs conversations I have with musicians too it's not like we talk a ton about that because I don't want to get too wonky mm. you know because um, you're going to lose some people and I don't want to listen to something too wonky either sure you know about technicalities and stuff of recording but it helps me to understand you know, it helps me to, to empathize with an artist and what they, you know, what they've made when they make their record. It's, it helps me to empathize with people who produce their own records or other people's records and uh, informs the questions that I might ask them. So I saw an opportunity there to learn about that and to, to kind of scratch that itch. Um, and then the challenges were, you know, were born out of that same thing is that, I mean, when I first started, I had... Uh, free software. I didn't have this recorder we're using right now. Uh, I had these mics because uh, I did a ton of research on what mics I should were, were good entry level mics. Um, but they, I plugged them straight into a computer, a Toshiba laptop. The first several episodes are recorded that way. I think the Trey Crowder episode was the last one. And the only reason it was the last one that was recorded straight into the computer is because I... Uh, uh, Corey Ryan Forster walked in the room and saw my setup and very gently told me like, you don't want to do this. Like here, here's what you need to get and told me what to get <laughs> very gently and diplomatically. Corey was like, what the fuck are you doing? man?" <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that was a, uh, I'm sure you don't like wake up in sweats in the like the night anytime. Just being like, oh man, <laughs> he was so good about it. Of course, yeah. he's a sweetheart, and like has been so good at the show. It doesn't have to be an is, you know. Like, shout out to Corey Ryan Forrester and all the well read guys. Like, and so many people have come to the show through them, and I, I think they're doing important work too. Um, but anyway, I it the first four or five episodes were recorded straight into the laptop, and buddy, there was like a couple that I, I, Jim Lauderdale is a good example. I recorded with Jim Lauderdale, and it just wasn't salvageable. Oof. Yeah, so I That's spent like brutal. took like an hour of a legend's time. Yeah, you know, I, I felt awful. And his he and his people he didn't didn't care. You know, they're everybody's super nice, but I almost didn't really. And Peter Rowan too. I have a whole interview oh. with Peter Rowan, who was in Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys. That just it's not worth releasing because the audio is just such garbage. And he's talking about like the tree frogs at Swanee and how climate change he doesn't use the word climate change, but it's clear how there's no more tree frogs and he mm-hmm. used to miss the tree frogs and or he misses the tree frogs and he's like talking on this like metaphysical level about all these heavy things and all this the beauty in the world. And he's telling stories about traveling with Bill Monroe and the the birth of bluegrass music and like Gosh. you know? So like all of this at the birth of bluegrass music, that's <laughs> it's deeper than that, I know, but you know, it's still like Bill Monroe's the father sure. of bluegrass, right? Yeah. So like Peter Rowan was there at, with yeah. playing in Bill Monroe's band, right? He was. It's one like of taping the, over a conversation with your grandfather and being like, "Well, there's a part of history that is gone now." And and we and it was and that one we talked about like his bu- Bill Monroe's bus breaking down outside of the town my dad was born in, God. you know, Horse Cave, Kentucky, and. uh and so early on, there were some disappointments like that, you know, yeah. some really heavy disappointments, but they, they just motivated me to learn more. Hmm. I, and, <clears throat> um, and then I think interview-wise, so the technical part was probably the hardest part early on because I felt pretty confident with the conversation. Right. Um, but even if you listen, uh, listen early on, 
and you listen now, I, d- I rarely go back and listen to early stuff because uh, I think I've learned the lessons I need to learn from the yeah. early ones. But if you listen early on, like I'm still kind of green, you know? And I had, in the first 10 episodes, I've got Colonel Bruce Hampton, yeah. who like founded jam music. He's like a father of jam band music in the South. Um, I've got... James McMurtry, Oliver Wood, um, B.J. Barham, Seth Walker, Trey Crowder. This is on the first 10 episodes. Yep. So, um, you know, I think it kind of motivated me. Like, wait, people like this thing. Yeah. I'm, people are saying yes, and they're not going to – publicists aren't going to put their people in front of somebody they don't trust to do a good job. So I just decided to step up, you know, and, and invest a little bit of my own coin and some mm. – so, and, and some – Infrastructure, some uh, infrastructure. Some uh, we've been talking about bike infrastructure all week. It's got me thinking about infrastructure. <laughs> Shout out to Minneapolis, this bike, yeah, bike infrastructure. Man, Getting us around the city. Seriously, I love the bike infrastructure here. Um, but equipment, and then do some more research about that technical part of it, and practice mm. some more and get better at it. But that was one of the biggest challenges. Um, the other big challenge, I think, early on is that, dude, I do not want anything to do with marketing. <laughs> like I just want I like but I like designing t-shirt and like sure. you know I love the hats and the shirts and the stickers that that's fun but I don't know what I'm doing first of all helps when you have a great artist that lives under the same roof it does you. help to have an in-house <laughs> artist Chris Osborne who does all of the artwork for the show um, and really captures your face in a beautiful profile hey I I met some folks in uh, in Nashville. Shout out to well, I, that list is too long to go through right now. But folks <laughs> that I'd only known online that I met in Nashville, who saw me and were like, "Oh, yeah, you look exactly like the drawing of your face." Okay, <laughs> 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 which is great. Um, shout out to Rachel Hurley, who's a incredible publicist who does such great work, um, uh, and was so good to us. That's actually, I think that's a quote from her. Actually, I need to attribute that properly. But, um, yeah, it just, that, that part I don't like either. Mm -hmm. I don't like the promotion part. I'm proud of the show. I'm happy with the show, but it's kind of weird because I don't know other, you know, in today's world, you're going to use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right. TikTok. Maybe we don't have a TikTok. I got rid of Facebook a couple years ago. Um, and Twitter I've had for so long that there's a lot of, of me in it. And, and so I do promote the show on Twitter but I also like sharing things about me and maybe that's marketing in itself, but I don't want to mix those things. And that's what's so hard about it. You well, know? It's, it's tough too. Cause I think there is something to be said about having a professional persona, you know, mm-hmm. here's Jason's dog and also listen to this next episode. of the Marinade. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a tough, that's a tough side. I think to, to your point to outside artists too, to say, you know, maybe if you're a massive megastar, you can get away with having like a really, Really, just a you know, who cares? You're going to do it anyways. Attitude, but I'm sure right. for you, even now, it's still a constant thing of saying, "Hey, I want people to take it seriously. I I want them to know, you know, how serious I am about having a real in-depth conversation." And that's kind of tough sometimes when your persona can get mixed up with your personal. Yeah, but it is also the marinade with Jason Earl. So yeah. like you know, so I am kind of saying like this is, it is about my guests, but it is also. You know, there's a certain amount of ego involved of like, hey, this is my thing too. Yeah. You know, if you're going to start a podcast in that's structured this way, at least, 
there's a certain amount of like, I think I have something to say, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I would be, I'd be disingenuous if I said that I I didn't cause I do think I have something to say. And that's part of why I have the show. Um, well, it's interesting. I was that makes me think of a John Mulaney quote. You know, John Mulaney famously made the TV show Mulaney, mm. and it fell kind of flat. You know, it was canceled after something like six episodes. Yeah. And he said, you know, the sad thing is, is that you only get one show with your name on it. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think it's funny that Mulaney you're saying that. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, John. <laughs> but you know, it's. But I think I think that's a really interesting point. You know, I think. The marinade with Jason Earle, you're right. It's a full sentence, right? It's not yeah. the marinade, um, you know, even though we call it that so often. But that's a great point. You know, it's uh, you're adding yourself into the endeavor. And so I think that's a great point you bring up of saying, yeah, I mean, that's part of it, right? It's your conversation and your, you know, I think that's a, one of the things I love about the podcast is obviously I like you and your conversational style, but it's true. I mean, you definitely get in there, right? It's, you put a lot of yourself into that conversation. A ton. You're not, you're not the dead interviewer just saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Well, I think that, uh, I think that allows me to go deeper with guests too, is that I am, I am oh, willing certainly. to go there with them and I am, uh, I, I want to, I want to, you know, I, I want, cause these are people I respect, so like I want to hear what they have to say about and find common ground about similar things we might be going through or mm-hmm. similar not necessarily challenges or negative experiences sometimes it's something positive something joyous that I want to share with them about my life that they can relate to and so it, I I think it allows for us to get, to get a little bit deeper and I think that's true for conversation in general and for relationships in general is that if you're willing to give a little bit more of yourself that the other person is going to reciprocate is more likely to reciprocate yeah um and so that's it's a trust thing too it is a trust thing you know it's absolutely a trust thing to say hey i'm out here i'm making sure that you know you know it's you know i'm not here and to your point you're an independent artist you're an independent you know entity you're not coming here from rolling stone saying i'm looking to give an interview you know you're sitting here saying i just want to talk i want to i want to pick your brain and see what what's working you know and how you work just a real yeah a real conversation i'm not looking for a hot take yeah, I think that's another thing that makes it kind of successful is like, and this is where I suck at marketing too. Is like there'll be great lines in the show, great moments, and I never, I never, almost never. I try to do that. I try to put quotes every once in a while out on sure. social media just to pique people's interest because it does. It'll hook me, you know. I'm yeah. I'm susceptible to sort of a clickbait sort of thing, but I I shy away from it to some extent because that one quote in the middle of an hour conversation where we've spanned so much ground we've covered so much ground isn't going to give you a good picture of what, of what the experience was like. And, um, you know, I may have said something incredibly vulnerable that then led to the guests saying the thing, right. You know, that comes out as the, the pull quote. That's why we just got to make it big time and I can hire a publicist for the marinade and then they can pull the quotes. <laughs> Yeah, they can do all the marketing. They do all that, and, and then eventually just, the editor. I'll, I'll, I'll just, yeah, I will just put, I'll just put out pictures of nonsense and conundrum, my be- my beautiful dogs, and then the publicist can do all that work. But, you know, that's a good point. What do you? I mean, from you know somebody who's obviously a Patreon, Patreon dot com slash the marinade, marinade podcast uh, slash marinade podcast slash marinade podcast. Um, the uh, you know somebody who's obviously been your friend prior to this endeavor watched yeah. you through it 
you know, so much of my understanding of it is is seeing the finished product. You know, I haven't, I don't get the opportunity to see the struggle, but I also don't get to pick your brain as much as I'd love to know what do you want next, right? You're like, hey, the marinade keeps going, it keeps getting more successful. What's your dream, right? We we talk about you've talked about dream guests, and you know, I shout out to the Patreon. I think you know. There's lots of content there for like Jason's journeys, and and you talk a lot about that stuff that I think doesn't have a home in in the marinade proper. Yeah. But, you know, what do you what do you think about when you think this is what I want, right? This is what I would love to see in five, <laughs> ten, however many years you get, you're blessed to keep producing it. You know. Yeah. You know, I every time Brian Koppelman, my who's kind of my unofficial, he doesn't know it, podcast mentor. Uh, puts out uh, ask me anything on Twitter I ask him questions to try to get pick his brain because I think his show is amazing and kind of sort of where I would want to head in terms of what I mean my show is different it is different but but I think I've borrowed a lot of ideas from him um, and been inspired by the way that he interviews people I always want to ask him he's never answered it <clears throat> so hopefully one of these days he will what his long-term vision for the moment podcast is because i my question about the like the way i think about it isn't necessarily what do i want for the show it's more like what is the what is going to happen with the medium in general sure so and like how much longer are podcasts going to be so wildly popular i mean the, there's so many podcasts yeah and every day somebody's starting one and then you know people will start when i think about like arian foster the former nfl star uh had a podcast that was pretty good he's he's a really sharp guy and like thoughtful guy and so he would talk sports sometimes but for the most part he was talking about philosophy and life mm. with these with different guests from all walks of life and I found it interesting and then it just went away, you know, mm. and I, like, I don't, it, I don't think I'll like this thing, as long as the pot, what I picture is as long as the podcast medium continues to, to exist as it does, I think I'll keep making the show because mm. it just gives me such joy and I grow so much from it. It gives mm. me so much right right so if it started to take from me then i would have to reevaluate things but i can't imagine that it would so if it exists in this medium the way that if the medium exists the way that it does and functions the way that it does in society now i don't know man i i don't know that i that i would think about like what i want from it five or ten years <laughs> from now i think from a creative standpoint I want to write novels. Hmm. You know, I, I, I would like to, I would like to get some of my music related stuff published in, you know, larger publications. Um, someday I would love to see my byline in like no depression or, I mean, even Rolling Stone for that matter, that's shooting kind of high, but go for pitchfork. Uh, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think pitchfork. I don't think I'm geared for pitchfork. I don't think I'm critical enough for Pitchfork. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh man, ten, ten out of ten. <laughs> okay, well that's you they know put what? their heart and soul into it. <laughs> that's really funny that you mentioned that because I think 
that's one of the fascinating <laughs> things. And I think, I don't know, man. I, I mean, you're more plugged in, but I think there's a whole generation of people who I think are moving away from wanting to get reviews on stuff people don't like. Yeah. I mean, like, the reality is, is people don't want to hear, you know, your podcast, you couldn't do an episode with somebody you don't care about, you don't aren't interested in, you know, and I think that's one of the strengths of the podcast and the medium is you've got an audience who just wants to hear something good. Yeah. And and they don't want to hear about how this album, you know, you, you, you like their earlier stuff or stuff like that. You know, you don't, yeah. you know, you're not comparing the artists or anything like that because it is about process. Yeah. It's not about necessarily even what comes out at the end though often you guys talk about that a lot more of it is devoted to getting in their brain and seeing what makes them tick and and how they work and you know over a long period of time you get to see this breadth of creatives and how different each one of them responds to that i have no interest in tearing down somebody's art i just have no it's just i just don't find it interesting at all i know how hard people work i know how hard i work on my art i know how hard people work on their records and on their films and on their visual art i live with an artist i see it every day i know how much people put into it i have no interest in in being a critic in that way i'm not saying there isn't a place for critique um i'm just not interested in it i don't i'm not i don't read pitchfork reviews right you know i probably did you know i did i did i did in my 20s but then i got to a place where i started to understand how much people put into a record and every every episode, I learn more about that. And as I think about my own, I may mean, have enough of my own songs now that I want to make a record. And I think about like, that's a daunting thing. <laughs> I mean, to put to to put all that work in. I remember being a young person listening and consuming music and not truly understanding how much goes into a record and getting frustrated when my favorite artists would not put out a record every couple of years, year or two, you know, and yeah. being like, "Where's the next one?" kind of thing. Right. And well, that's because it's fucking hard and it's really, it can be very expensive. It can be exhaust. It is exhausting most of the time for people to make a record. And so even whether it's music, film, whatever it is. And I think it more so with music, I don't want to be a critic because I dabble in it. Mm. You know, I don't dabble in filmmaking. So sometimes I might watch a film and be like, eh, you know, or <laughs> that sucked. We just talked about the Avengers movies earlier. Yeah. How they didn't, how I wasn't interested. But I'm not about to go out and write a think piece about how the Avengers sucks. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> if you like the Avengers, good for you. Thankfully, that's not your job. <laughs> you know? Like, if, if it yeah. gives you joy, that's awesome, man. If you liked Guardians of the Galaxy, cool. I thought it was dumb. But if you liked it, great. Right. You know? Like, I don't need, you don't need me going, the thing that you like, I think, isn't good or doesn't have value. That's not interesting to me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, I think the classic hot take, right, is, you know, for artists, for musicians specifically, right, you've got your whole life to write your first album, you've got six months to write your second. Yeah. And I think that's funny, even with your earlier comment about podcasts, right? Yeah. Like, so often we think of creatives as an eternal well of, you know, there's, they can always, there's something there, right? Yeah. And there's no real room for a J.D. Salinger in music, right? Right. Write yeah. a defining piece and then never <laughs> do anything ever, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think the podcast is very interesting, you know, at some point, right, the marinade's going to wrap up. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to look at it on the shelf, so to speak, and say, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I wonder about that because I don't know. Again, I, I think about that on a macro level. I, I'm really interested in 
but I have no, so I'm interested in it and I have no entrance point into understanding it. We talked to, you and I were talking the other night. We sat around this very fire when I first got to town and we stayed up way past our bedtimes and we were talking about, um, cryptocurrency and, yeah. and investments, you know, I guess that wasn't too late. I guess your wife was still here and we were, we were still kind of early, Yeah. but just like the idea of predicting what's going to, you know, right. what's going to pop and what's not and what's going to happen in the future. I don't have a brain for that for whatever reason. Um, when it comes to certain things, there are things that, well, let me explain. Cause I think I do have by benefit of having read history, I can see political and social things changing before they happen. But I like the modern American fascist movement, anybody who's read five minutes of history yeah. could have seen right. what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. But I don't have the ability with technology to make any sense out of like what the future is going to hold. We were talking also about like, when iPods came out and how yes. was it your brother was like, man, these mini discs are the future. Yeah, he had the option to buy a mini disc player or the very first iPod. And he's like, nah, man, the mini discs. That's it. That's the future. And I'll be honest, I was with your brother at the time. You know, I was like, this iPod thing doesn't make any damn sense. So Ride I, or die I, mini disc listener. Yeah. So I don't have any... I've never really had an ability to predict technology-wise what's going to happen. I didn't think podcasts made any sense until you... You're really good at turning me on to things that you know I'm going to like. Uh, I actually... You're not on social media, so you didn't see this. I posted on my Instagram about how... Um, what a great gift giver you are and how... <laughs> That's you, really great. Would not think to compliment somebody in a medium they will never be able to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want your ego to get too inflated, you know? That's I don't right. want you to... But um, I... It was in the context of just talking about the music festival I went to last week in Gasparilla Music Fest and what a gift it was. And I was just talking about how, like, you have this ability to give people things they didn't know that they wanted mm. or needed and you gave me Sylvanesso's first record as a housewarming oh. gift and I fell in love with the band and I got to see them last weekend it was such a great time I wouldn't have been nearly as fired up probably they would have wandered into my life at some point but sure. there was an investment in having that it's like a limited edition vinyl that you gave me you know and I'd never heard of the band when you gave it to me but you knew I was gonna like it oh yeah well, I think what I was trying to say was that like the ability to sort of predict what people are going to like and understand what people are going to like before it happens, you know, is something I'm not very good at. I've never understood. Like, I, I didn't think the iPod made any sense. I thought Facebook was the dumbest idea ever when it came out. My buddy was trying to get me on it. Now, at the time, it was only if you had a college yeah, the EDU. email address, yeah. you know. And so I and you could there was nothing to it. You could you could message people. And then you could have your picture. Yeah, and which we like, were all on AIM, and it's like, why yeah. would I need another why would I messaging just, yeah, service? I've got yeah, AIM, it'll got, never die. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I've got everyone's email address that I need to be in touch That's with. exactly right. Um, My brother did that about texting. He told me once I was in high school, so I'm dating myself a little bit here, and he's like, why would you ever need a text anybody? You could just call them. That's 100% what I said. Yep. And text messages were expensive when they first started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ten so, cents uh, or something every time. Every message. time. Even yep. if you received them, they cost money. So I didn't think yeah, I'm just bad at like predicting what's gonna make sense and what's not. I shit, man. 
I'll go all the way back to debit cards. I remember being a kid. I was young when debit cards became a thing, but still, I remember being like, that's dumb. You know, that's that doesn't sound like it makes any sense to me. <laughs> you just take cash. It's pretty simple. It's a it's a perfect system. <laughs> so like, I'm not good at te- predicting. I like technology to an extent. I'm just not good at predicting what's going to make it and what's not. So if podcasts go in a different direction, w- you know, will the marinade pivot like eight months too late? Sure. You know, probably. Um, will I s- figure it out and be able to adjust? Maybe. Will it matter by then? I don't know. I'm really proud of what we've already done. You know, I have no intentions of stopping. But um, but <laughs> you told me when I started this thing that I would have interviewed B.J. Barham twice and James McMurtry and Todd Snyder, and I would have gotten a chance to sit down and uh, become acquainted with people like Micah Schnabel, whose art I love so much, and that I would get to talk with Erica Winterstrom and Sarah Shook and, uh, you know, Sadler Vaden and hell half a driving and crying you know like uh, just all i could go on and on of course um g love the fact that i mean 18 year old me listen to g love hmm. one day you're gonna one day you're gonna talk directly to him yeah like i never yeah there's no way i would have thought i was yeah. gonna talk directly to g love at 18 yeah you know and not only that but sit down for an hour with him and coincidentally that one was going to be episode 50 it's episode 51 of an asterisk Got bumped. Uh, you know, it's funny you say, you know, hearing you talk about it too. I think the interesting thing is, uh, you know, how do you think? I think so. An interviewer, right? You're, the goal is to be a kind of semi-objective observer, right? And this is not an interview show; it's a conversational show. Right. And the nature of a conversation is it goes both ways, right? Yeah. And so, what do you think? How do you think you've been affected by your guests so far? Like, I mean, I I I have my own kind of back assumptions about certain things i think you know i i listened to that episode with micah talking about his novel and i yeah. i wonder you know in the back of my head oh was that when the novel really started to get into your mind or yeah. something like that you know what what do you think you've been affected how's the marinade changed you and oh. your creative process oh my god dude i mean immeasurable like that yes when micah was talking about his novel that was part of what i like micah works hard and like and and he, just his own his work ethic and what he's able to create inspires me immensely. Um, and when he was talking about his novel and that, if you remember, he talks about like it's one of my favorite things that we've ever gotten on on tape. <laughs> how he like couldn't afford a computer, so he had a typewriter. He wrote that fucking novel on a typewriter. That's insane. And he would like type it up. And also, like, what's wrong with the world that someone is talented? as Micah and gives as much as Micah, you know, has to like, should be lacking. Yeah. Is lacking a computer, you know, like fucking a man, like that guy's a treasure. I mean, national treasure. Like he's, he's so talented and he's so smart and, um, and, and so loving, Mm. like such a giving person and a loving person and writes incredible songs. But he's, he talks in that episode about typing up his novel and then literally taking the piece of paper balling it up and throwing it away if it was no good and writing all day like that um and so as as agonizing as that sounds it also sounds like the most romantic damn thing in the (laughs) world to me you know well it's it's the idea of shooting on film right yeah you only like think about a camera film (coughs) camera is you've only got x amount of shots so you're gonna you're gonna i mean the effort right yeah so who knows i mean to your point 
you get a unlimited amount of pages in a computer and yeah you, you know, but it's it also i think the dedication yeah, that certainly that you know i think it's the dedication of him sitting there at the typewriter getting up having his coffee <coughs> getting to work on this novel that's not his primary source of income right he's a songwriter he's a performer that's his main gig and as this kind of side thing He's sitting down and doing that work all day in like what sounds like kind of an agonizing thing, but when you're when you're fueled by creativity that way, like for me that sounds so idyllic because I just want to sit down and write all day, hmm. you know. Like I I just I want to do that now. I recognize that the trade off would be really struggling to like pay your fucking bills. If I were to do that, if I were to go out and do that, and I'm not in a p- place where I can do that right now, you know? I haven't set my life up like that. That, the way that he challenged my thinking, I made, man, I guess I learned more from that, micro, both micro-conversations than I realized, than I really talk about, but there's something he said in that first interview that changed changed the way I just speak about um, place. So he said to me, I made a joke, and it wasn't a good joke. It was just a one-off, like, making a connection kind of joke um, That about how, like, people from Ohio and Florida... I forget what I said, but it was something about people from Ohio and Florida being really proud of where they're from is mm-hmm. the, the gist of it. And he just got... <laughs> like, Michael's a really nice guy. He's also can get real serious. And he just goes, like, well, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then he just went on about, like, how stupid it is to be proud of where you're from because... You don't have any choice. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's the root of nationalism, right? Yeah, 100%. Convince somebody that the one thing that they have nothing that revolves not around them in the slightest is the most important thing they have in the world. No, they have no control over that. And it got me thinking about so many other aspects of life. I don't think he meant it to get me thinking about other aspects of life. But, dude, it has made me think so much about just existence, which I guess I'm prone to think about it anyway, but just about, like, whether or not to have kids and like how much how much pressure that is to bring a human into the world who has mm-hmm. no choice as to whether they're brought in the world or not. Mm-hmm. And all these kind of cosmic questions came out of that conversation. Man, I could do this all day of like moments where artists say something to me that just the way that that person was thinking about the world made me then rethink not only the the particular topic we were discussing, but rewired the way that I think about other aspects of my life and the world around me. So the marinade has given more than just the creative process and the lessons I've learned from the creative process, which each, just about each conversation, I learned something new about process, but it's also given me tons and tons of life lessons and things to consider about how how to navigate the difficult questions in the world because i think artists without artists we there are certainly other disciplines and other people in the world who question things and question the way things are but we need art as that reflection of those questions mm-hmm. and we need artists to push our thinking about societal questions and issues and to provide their lens. And a lot of times, their lens is derided by the system as like, 
overly idealistic mm-hmm. or Pollyannish or whatever. Well, you know what? We need that. I think. I think we need to have the lens of an artist to say, well, it's only not possible because we say it's not possible. Right. Well, I mean, to that point, I think, you know, I, I read quite a bit of science fiction, and I think that's such a strong argument for science fiction. Yeah. Is science fiction is us dreaming about the future, and, um, you know, so much of what, you know, it's not just about the dream, it's about the actual engineer who grows up reading about Star Trek. Yeah. And, or listening to Star Trek or watching Star Trek and being like, well, what if, right? Yeah. What if we could have communicators in our hands that would allow us to talk vast distances? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, how many how many cartoons, Jetsons, whatever, had a video phone? Yeah. I mean, I remember growing up, I don't know about you, but growing up as a kid, it was almost like a foregone conclusion we'd have a video phone. Yeah. Like, at some point in the future, I was like, oh, of course you can have it. And now it's funny because nobody saw it coming the way it did, FaceTime and whatnot. Right. But still, it's I mean, that's what now. it is. You can do it through your social media apps now. Yeah. You can't, but no. the rest of us idiots who have social media can. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's I think that that shows though to your strength of your of who you are as a person. The conversation can change you. Uh, I think that's such a strength of a you know strength of character to say like, hey, it's not you know we you know, I don't know. I think you can get really. Uh, really navel gazy to use it a second time. But yeah. you can get really navel gazy and say, well, it's the art is about the conversation and it's about this. And I think it's something to be said about saying, like, no, you've taken away, right? You've given to the marinade, but you've taken away from it as well. Hell yeah. Change. Um, yeah. 100%, man. Yeah, it's made me a better person. The marinade has made me a better person. And that coincided with a lot of other things in my life, meeting Chris and um, starting a life together and. Just getting out also of just the environments that I was in that were kind of like suppressing my creativity and uh, acknowledging that like I need it. You know, I, I need to create. I need to write. We talked um, earlier because we haven't really seen each other since the pandemic began. You and I were talking yesterday or the day before about um, – how we both struggled to read and we're both voracious readers Mm. and we struggled to read during the pandemic. We were too anxious. It was hard to stay focused. But one thing that I, that I didn't have any trouble with was writing. And the reason I didn't have any trouble with writing, in fact, I increased the amount of writing I was doing at the beginning of the pandemic was because I needed it. Like Mm -hmm. I had to have it. It's the way I process things. It's the way I process things. And it calms me. It helps me to, um, to it, it levels me. It helps me to mellow out. And without it, and without consuming it, you know, that was a struggle to not consume it for that time. I tried. I don't know about you, but oh, like, I was like laboring through books. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was arduous. I mean, it was like yeah. a page. I would just do the thing. You know, you're reading the page over and yeah. over and over and nothing sticking. Yeah. Nothing sticking. Yep, exactly. I'm just thinking about like, is this the end of society? Am yeah. I going to c- contract this thing and die? Are my parents right. going to contract this thing and die? Right. Um, yeah, both of us have older parents. And yeah. I mean, my mom told me up front, granted, you know, my family is uh, pretty, uh, pretty on the nose with some things and death is one of them. My mom just told me my dad's a lifelong smoker. She just said, oh, if he gets it, he dies. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I feel it's you so 100%. Heavy, dude. And right, and all that's running in back, that low-level <laughs> anxiety, running 24-7, not going out, no distractions. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, no distractions. And that's what, that's what writing, I can always write. 
I, I will say I'm, I'm blessed in that I can always ride. I'm really fortunate. I don't get rider's block. Some things are better than others, you know, but I never get stuck. I never look at the blank page and find it intimidating. I never look for an excuse to avoid riding. Hmm. Um, I, I beg for opportunities to sit down and write. That's why I like flights so much. Maybe not the last one I took that took five hours to get here because I was on the runway for three hours <laughs> on the way to Minneapolis. <laughs> but I love flights for that reason because you can't do much. Yeah. You know, I always have a notebook and I, I do a ton of writing on planes because it's like I'm not going to sleep. I can't I can sleep just about anywhere except on a Spirit Airlines flight. You know, so <laughs> I can't I, recline. I can't recline. If I can recline, I can pass out. But on a Spirit Airlines flight. I'm going to write. And I do that even on other flights. You know, Chris will pass right out. She'll fall asleep on my shoulder and I'll write, you know, I'll write five pages mm. <laughs> on, the, on the flight. Because I need it. I need it. And so we kind of went on a tangent there. I forgot. Not what, in this show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what you were asking me originally. Well, no, I mean, well, let's talk about it. I think that's a good segue into your process. I mean, you talk about it with all your your guess and you've definitely talked about it at length but i think it's interesting to see you know how, what's your process for the marinade i mean i think you talk about your process a lot for um you know writing even now i think writing you know because you it's you know because it's you end up with something right you you do it for x amount of time you get five pages or whatever yeah um what's your process for the marinade well it's a different creative aspect i know because it's a lot more collaborative but what does that look like yeah i'm glad you asked i let me grab a water real quick. You go grab a water. I'm going to put some uh, logs on this fire. Jason, when you're editing this, I'm watching you walk back with a water and a wine. Uh, so That wasn't an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted some more wine. And I'm a grown-ass man on mini vacation. There you go. Um, so let's get back to awesome, it. So by the way, but anyway, um, we were talking. We were talking about you know what's your process for the marinade. It's a different creative endeavor because it's collaborative. Yeah. But what does that look like? You know, I don't think that's something <laughs> you talk to talk have talked to much on the podcast because it's yeah. kind of again a little you know a little, it's not about me. It's kind of self indulgent. Yeah, it's pretty self indulgent to tell uh, yeah. you know especially when with a lot of music artists to be like, let me tell you about, let me my tell you about how process. I do my thing, <laughs> Todd Snyder. Um. Yeah, I. It's evolved a lot, Peter. Sure, it starts. It starts with the Toshiba. Yeah, it starts <laughs> with the Toshiba. No, I think. So, I spend a lot of time researching, and the way I do that, my our mutual friend Tanner once said to me, maybe the smartest person I know. He said, "You know the ideal, the ideal." situation work situation would be that you find a job that is like let me listen to this and make sure it's not like i think it's weirdly okay in this spot yeah i don't know <laughs> you want to relocate we might need to go inside that's fine i hope we didn't just miss out on a lot of good stuff <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah. personality my late thirties over sexuality, over sexuality. Oh, I can't help it how I love you. I can't 
help that I need help If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I'll make it by myself me, everyone. Thank you so much to my good friend Peter Haraldson, who you can find nowhere online. Thank all of you for listening. We are coming up on five years of episodes in about six and a half years after the first steps were taken to make this thing a reality. Thank you so much to everybody who has listened to an episode, everyone who spread the word and told a friend, everybody who's contributed financially, who's bought a hat or a t-shirt, who sent us a tweet, who sent us an email, who's made a comment on a post uh, on Instagram, where however it is that you've shown your appreciation, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just got an email and it was deeply personal email, so I'm not going to say exactly who it was or what they said, but it was just so kind. It was someone who's new to the marinade, who would come to the marinade via the Kristen Arnett episode. And it's just a thoughtful message about how that particular episode resonated with this person. And it, those little things mean a lot, y'all. Even if it's just a tweet um, or a, a direct message or something saying, hey, I really enjoyed that particular episode. Thanks so much. That stuff goes a long way. And we're just really, really grateful for all the love you've shown the show. MarinadePodcast.com for all things the marinade, including written pieces, photography, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. And if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that continue to shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. I also post what I'm getting down on, which is an examination of the art that is inspiring me at the moment. Sometimes we get together for Patreon happy hours, patreon.com slash marinade podcast if you're interested. And as a reminder, part two of this conversation is going to be available over on that website. If you want to support the show financially, Patreon's a monthly commitment. So if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can Venmo or PayPal us. It's just at the marinade. And all that money goes right back into making the show. Uh, another thing I want to encourage you to check out is our weekly title playlist called Marinade Musings. You can find that on our social media pages or by typing Marinade Musings into the title search. Um, title has a free tier now, so if you were holding back from using it because of the paywall, fret no more. Marinade Musings is uh, just a short list of songs I find interesting, just stuff that I'm letting kind of marinate. I want to thank Patrick Hagerman, who you can find at hagermanmusic.com. You can also find him over on the social media apps. Uh, once again, the song you're hearing is Minneapolis, and that's by Patrick Hagerman. Give him a follow so you don't miss any announcements about his forthcoming album. You're not going to want to miss it. Patrick is a great dude. Dude, a great friend and an incredible songwriter and i'm super excited for his songs to get a little bit broader audience once that record is ready all right y'all that's all the housekeeping i got for you um you know I, it seems like every time we come to each other here some other right has been taken away and i'm 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 recording this three days after the u.s supreme court overturned a woman's right to an abortion with a dobbs decision we're at another inflection point in American history. And 
call it what it is. It's fascist zealots who are taking away fundamental rights. We're not talking, we're not arguing taxes right here. We're not uh, talking about the nuances of foreign policy. We're talking about zealots who are taking away fundamental rights and being cheered on by a minority of the American public. And I want to say without question, this is really important to me, that I support a woman's right to choose whether to have an abortion for whatever reason. That's up to her. Personal medical decisions should not be dictated by the state. And I know folks are discouraged, and I get it. I'm with you, but I still want to encourage you to vote. Fundamental rights we're talking about are being taken away and you can be disappointed with the Democrats in America and also recognize that the alternative is a fascist party that is stripping away democratic institutions and basic freedoms. All right, y'all. I love you. I appreciate you. Michaela Ann is up next. This was a, we just recorded today. I should get it up to you uh, in a week from today. It was a deep emotional conversation, perhaps the most personal marinade episode yet, definitely up there. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. Just get ready. It's, uh, it's heavy, but I think beautiful. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all. Wheels down in another town. I thought you said you'd stick around And I wonder now if love is gonna cost my life Something in my chest feels like a butcher knife Four days in a hotel, we'll be going home Wish I could remember how to be alone How to be alone Oh, I can't help it how I love you And I can't help that I need help If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself if I don't freeze in Minneapolis, I can make it by myself. Go on, play another song. Well, I thought that you were never wrong. Consequences hover like an army drone Waiting to declare this kingdom overthrown The fabric I thought tearing turns out wasn't sewn When I got your message on my telephone on my telephone Oh, I can't help it How I love you I can't help that I need help If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself 
If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself You said Say what's in your head I thought you would rather see me dead Sixty days clean sober Wasn't long enough And better than I've ever been Ain't good enough Better than I've ever been Ain't good enough Well, who is gonna be good enough? Oh, I can't help it How I love you I can't help that I need help If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I'll make it by myself it to you anyway you've got other games to play I mistook your compliments for loyalty I guess I should be thankful for your feeding me Pointing out my flaws and personality My late thirties over sexuality Over sexuality Oh, I can't help it how I love you I can't help that I need help If I don't freeze in I can make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I can make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I'll make it by myself If I don't freeze in Minneapolis I'll make it by